1: John's love of aviation started at the age of eight when his family got involved in hot air ballooning. He began his aviation career in the Royal Air Force, serving as an engineering officer on the Tornado Aircraft and then within the Military Aviation Authority. He joined EASA in 2011 in the Safety Analysis Team and in 2018 became EASA's Head of Safety Promotion. He leads their Together for Safety Promotion initiative to help the European aviation community by providing practical information and support on a range of safety issues and other topics. John, you're very welcome to Squawk 7000. Lots to talk to you about in this particular
2: episode, but I suppose
1: before we do, uh, let's share with the audience your actual role and what you do.
2: Yes, yeah, so uh, obviously I work at EASA, the European Union Aviation Safety Agency uh, in Cologne in Germany. Uh, and for the last three years, I've been head of the safety promotion team. Uh, the agency, so it's quite a new kind of activity. I'd say we've always done safety promotion, but dare I say, very more traditional. Let's make a PDF leaflet with experts type thing. So uh, we set up a new team about three years ago to try and just get a bit more proactive and you know try and really properly outreach into the different communities, not just in general aviation, but, you know, helicopters, drones, the commercial sector as well, and and kind of just try and do things a little bit differently, if that makes sense. And when you think about it, I mean, aviation already has a
1: fantastic reputation, Uh, you know, the use of CRM training, crew resource training, the the concepts of safety are out there. So what's your focus at the moment? Because has, for example, there been a, a little bit of a slip, or do we have a situation of rusty pilots? So
2: actually, it, it, that's one of our biggest focuses. So, particularly, I guess the, the, when the pandemic first started, you know, obviously we 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 were already looking to do uh, before, yeah, when we were, weren't even thinking about COVID, when we didn't even uh, you know didn't even know what a lockdown was, we were already looking at pilots who hadn't flown over the winter so much over the winter, and how can we kind of help people across the community get ready for the upcoming season. And we were already starting to kind of look at how we could do that. And then obviously, you know, come February, we suddenly found ourselves in this kind of extended break where nobody was flying. And then, you know, we we were really starting to work with people across the GA community about what does this looking, what does this mean for pilots and, you know, particularly that first summer in 2020, you know, when a lot of people we know, you know, even people in in our own team who hadn't really flown much since October and were sat in May, June thinking, finally, I'm getting in the cockpit and how am I going to feel when I'm back in the cockpit? And I think, yeah, obviously, thankfully, a lot, of most people managed to get some flying in, in 2020, and then things got a little bit better in 2021. But yeah, that's certainly the big, the biggest focus we've got at the moment is, you know, we just we know lots of people in all sorts of different situations this past two years uh, throughout the pandemic. And, you know, just how can we help people assess their own skills and where they are, you know, see what tools we can give people just to you know, kind of just get them thinking about the flying they're going to conduct over the next few months. I think that's really the, the big thing we're trying to do
1: and i'm guessing too i suppose that for certainly the recreational pilots who might be listening to us they might be a little bit anxious about regulation and 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 very strict overview in other words the fear that you might just take the fun out of it but that's not the case
2: No, and in, and and that's kind of the big ethos behind our new approach to safety promotion is is you know, just trying to 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 work not work together but to 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 discuss as a community particularly with with recreational pilots you know mm. what are the challenges we have together? You know on our fairly small safety promotion team. You know I'm involved in ballooning. You know we have uh, a guy who, who who's involved in helicopter flying. Um, we have a GA pilot actually who's uh, not so long ago gone through his you know uh, his instrument rating and actually also his instructor qualification and has gone through a lot of this. So it's kind of interesting. You know I think it's important to have people in the team. Who are going through these same challenges, and and you know, I think understanding what it's like to be pilots and to be aviators, and as you say, not take the "you must all follow the rules," you know, this is all terrible kind of approach, but saying you know we understand there are difficult things, and how can even dare I say we have this kind of fairly not say jokey phrase, but we have this this statement where you know in our part of the ASA, you know, hello, I'm from the regulator and I'm here to help. And it's it's that kind of a thing. You know, we have people that make rules and that can sometimes be complicated and difficult. Mm. And all we want to do is understand what do pilots, what gets in between, in the way of pilot, particularly recreational pilots, enjoying the flying as, you know, as interestingly, as safely as possible. Mm. And how can we help in whatever way we can achieve that? Because that's what we're all trying to do. I might tap in, if I can for a moment, your your early
1: job, ask, and, and from the point of view of safety analysis. Let's use three words, knowledge, skill, attitude. Which is the big challenge for a pilot? I, I think
2: it, at a, from a personal perspective, I think it, it, often it depends on the individual, if that mm. makes sense. So I don't think, in a way, I, my answer would be that I don't think there's any one answer. I think it's kind of a balance of all of that and you know how you then apply those different parts of of aviation then to the decisions you make, if that makes sense. And well, we... if you think
1: about it I mean, with, with flight testing and with standardization amongst instructors, most of the pilots flying out there will have the knowledge mm-hmm, and they'll exactly. probably have the skill. But the attitude was
2: is the one that sometimes is the challenge in safety, isn't it? Um, we, we certainly see that. And I think it's the, yeah, it's then the application of that. That's the challenge. Although one of the things we have, you know, we, we do see quite often, certainly from my time in, in safety analysis, looking at accident reports quite often is is particularly, well, in fact, the knowledge and skills equally come in, particularly when you start looking at accidents. Thankfully, you know, we have thousands and hundreds and thousands of flights every year mm. where nothing bad happens. So exactly. when you start looking at the small subset of accidents, you know, you do see things where, you know, either accidents, in fact, there was one accident, that, well, there's been some accidents. In fact, we did some safety promotion on it a while ago before COVID about uh, electric trim runaway. Mm. And there's been, certainly we've seen some accidents and, and, and the current near miss occurrences where from a knowledge kind of basic knowledge perspective is nobody imagined your aircraft would have a problem with a trim runaway. And do you know as a pilot where the circuit breaker is, if you do have a system to disable it so that you don't end up fighting it while trying to look through the book, that you might have in the cockpit that might tell you where it is, for example. So, Because you know, that's, that's the human factor,
1: I suppose, that's coming into yeah. it as well. Because for, for anybody where something happens, they are going to be startled initially and lose mm-hmm. a, a certain amount of, of thinking time.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, as I say, it's where the balance is. The more things, certainly what we see is the more people can look ahead to what they're, go- they're going to do and think about, well, is there any extra knowledge I might need to go and find for this particular, you know, flight I'm doing to a Mm. new location or, you know, if I'm doing something new or there's something unusual that might happen. Yeah. There's so many of that, that that's where we see again, certainly in in some of the accidents, it's those kinds of things that get people that have a lot of knowledge and have all the skills. And then it's kind of one small circumstance where something happens. Mm. Yeah. I think, you know, certainly even, even the most experienced pilots can can kind of, you know, just by virtue of the world being complicated, can find themselves in a situation they've never experienced before, where you know there's there's difficult choices to make in a really short space of time, and how do they do that? And the more we can kind of it, you know encourage that learning and you know that discussion about you know what are the different things we can all do together, then yeah, you know, hopefully it helps people when they find themselves in that situation. For this year you're taking a two-pronged approach. We we'll look at the second one in a moment,
1: but you're saying something like be an aviator and not just a pilot. What's that about?
2: So, I ironically that that comes very closely to what you were talking about about attitude and that attitude towards continual development and continual learning and and continually thinking about, you know, how did that how the last flight I took, how did that go? What can I learn? You know, are, are there things that I can see from either talking to other pilots or I, again, one of the things from our side is what can we help the community to learn from other, from occurrences, from accidents and things like that, that might not, the message might not get to other pilots. And how can we do that? And then how as individuals, can we kind of encourage people to be open and receptive to that kind of path of of continual learning and continual evol- kind of evolution and development, and that's that's kind of the idea that, that 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 we're trying to bring in with that. And how does that
1: manifest itself at a practical level? Are you talking about you know clubs and group groups, pilots running seminars, running hangar talk sessions where they share stories? What, what what's the best way for that to happen?
2: I think it's all one of the big things we're focusing on is these is just con- you know conversations, discussions, you know pilots sharing experiences with each other. I love. Actually, the the, the pilot, uh, the the GA pilot in our team, Vendel, you know, he's always, he flies at a couple of local flying clubs here, here in the Cologne area. And there's quite often, you know, different club nights and things going on. And it's so interesting for us to then have him come back to the team and back to the office and, oh, do you know, did you know, did we, or asking us, did you know, you know, pilots are having a huge problem with this or Mm. yeah there's a particular you know there's been a particular weather challenge in this particular part of the local area recently that really impacts as we come in on approach at that local airport or you know things like that and it's great to get those discussions going and I think you know the more pilots can talk to each other share experiences you know uh, flying clubs can do those kinds of things that's great but again what we don't want to do is kind of m- not mandate but you know kind of mm. say this is the solution everybody should go and do this thing you know all we want to encourage is is conversation and learning in whatever way works for you know either pilots as individuals or clubs or groups or whatever and you know particularly from our side is if there's, there's anything, I often regret saying this, but if there's ever anything, you know, I know people in, you know, pilots always have, we get so many great ideas from other pilots and other people. And, it, you know, it, quite often I say, if there's something you wish we could provide to help a flying club or a, individual pilots in that discussion, you know, please have people contact us. You know, we've. I'm fairly active on on Facebook, our Facebook groups and Facebook pages, and mm-hmm. we have our general aviation community. And similarly, we have a uh, just safety promotion at yasa.europa.eu. You know, we encourage people to email us and tell us how we can help facilitate those kinds of discussions. Um, it's not a bad yeah. complaint if people are, are
1: annoying you for help and support, I suppose it's, it's, it's a good way of looking at it. The second thing on your agenda is around the, the area of aeronautical decision-making. And I suppose, you know, when you think about it, that, that's, that's such a, a central part of safety, isn't it? It's
2: making the good decision or the bad decision. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things we see as a common factor when we look at accidents and analyse them is there are Uh, uh, there's either a decision or a number of decisions in a chain that have built up to whatever situation. And again, the more we can kind of, I guess, a arm people with the knowledge of what are the most common chains and what can people then learn and apply themselves when they go flying is one step. And then just, yeah, just generally is for us to make decisions more deliberately perhaps than we would in particularly if we've been doing something for a long time. It's, it's kind of interesting. I've, I've realized the more we've been trying to write this down and talk about it, even when I drive a car now, mm-hmm. you know, I used to, w- where I live in Cologne, we have a, a kind of, we live on a busy dual carriageway in a nice apartment block with just a, um, a parking space right in front of the building and the road. And it's really easy to kind of throw your seatbelt on and it, check and go And actually I find myself now in the car, even, you know, just getting myself ready. What am I going to do? You know, I'm ready. I've done this. I've said, put where I'm going to go in the sat nav if I need to before going. And, you know, it's, it's those kinds of analogies in a sense, Mm. and just kind of thinking ahead more.
1: We'll be back in a moment after this short break. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds at Mint Mobile. We like to do the opposite of what big wireless does. They charge you a lot, There's a lot of other things becoming available to, I suppose to pilots in, in feet not just general aviation pilots as well, but things like additional technology in, in the cockpit and conspicuity of course being being seen.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. uh,
1: any, any thoughts on that?
2: Yeah so interestingly we had a, a workshop last week on ice conspicuity, specifically looking at the new U space. Uh, where around kind of more like, likely around cities initially with drones flying around. But I think that's certainly, you know, in terms of technology, things are improving or things are changing and there's totally technology opportunities coming into the cockpit for pilots at much reduced costs than they were before that do amazing things. And certainly one of the things at the heart of the uh, EASA general aviation roadmap for quite a long time now has been really how can we facilitate getting Technology into the cockpit for pilots as as easily and cheaply and simply as possible, rather than saying, "Well, we have to wait ten years to certify all of this to make sure it's perfect." You know, is it is it better that a pilot has you know something that provides lots of extra safety? And and yeah, you know, we want to we really try and and, and work hard to, to to try and facilitate much more of this now. And I think the technology lends itself to that much more. Than perhaps it did even three four years ago. It's amazing to see the pace of the technology.
1: It of course raises another little problem, which is that if people put too much of a dependence on it and they're flying along with their head down, there's some basic airmanship missing.
2: And I think that is one of the key things. Is as we bring more of this in, is it's again, you know, what's the most appropriate things for pilots to have in the cockpit? You know, how can they not, you know, overload themselves with too many things? that then take away from the flying and it's finding that balance. And yeah, it's been been interesting to have one of our own team kind of, yeah, in fact, over the last three, four years since he's really been flying again, much more regularly as a private pilot, kind of going on that journey of learning himself and coming back to the team and saying, oh, I found these two other great new apps, but they were really distracting. And I realized Mm. I'd kind of maybe brought too much into the cockpit and it didn't it, it stopped me doing this you know and really looking out of the aircraft and it was particularly yeah, it's particularly interesting when he's flying with instructors and they're di- discussing this uh, as they go through a flight is what's that balance and, and you know how, how can you what's it, when's too much additional things in the cockpit and you yeah, know the more we can share even our own experiences about that, the better.
1: It's interesting, too, if you look at a comparison between the way, for example, a commercial pilot might decide, I'm not safe to fly. I'm too tired or I'm emotionally not in the right frame of mind. And, you know, the old I am safe, am I safe? Mm. Um, You're suggesting that pilots should have a little bit more awareness of resilience.
2: Yeah, and actually interesting that one of the things we start to realise is not start to realize but we we we're, we're looking to see how, see how we can apply and again testing ourselves with ourselves and some other pilots we, we work with is to take some of the basic principles from the commercial sector and see well what does a simpler version of that look like for a private pilot yeah you know, and and how can you take the principles of you know human factors decision making you know all of these uh, all these you know crm principles and all of these hmm. things from the commercial world into uh, into the cockpit for a private pilot or into the process of flying for a private pilot in a way that you know makes it still makes it fun and interesting and you know doesn't take huge amounts of time or you know lots of extra cost and and just you know kind of integrate those all together so that's kind of what we're trying to do
1: so if we've whetted people's appetite in terms of finding out more and, and putting the responsibility maybe not necessarily on clubs but on pilots themselves, what's your advice for them what can they do over the next couple of weeks ahead of the flying season to get themselves fit
2: and ready so at an individual level i think particularly one of probably one of the biggest things is just having a uh, having a, a a step back and thinking how fresh are their skills you know how happy they are are they to be in the cockpit by themselves you know for the first time for quite a long time perhaps yeah, you know, certainly it depends. Different pilots in different situations, mm-hmm. but you know, and, and if they haven't been, perhaps thinking about you know having a flight with an instructor or you know or with other another pilot or you know doing things so they're not on their own. And, and it, it, it's interesting actually when we talk about parallels with the uh, with the commercial sector. I know certainly some of the airlines we work with in the commercial sector they have some routes. It was one airline I was talking to, a small commuter airline in Europe. Who fly to London City, and they say if they've got a pilot who hasn't flown in, you know, they they're current, but they haven't flown in a preset period of time, they can't they can't fly a London City or to hmm. certain other airports if they haven't flown in the last X number of days, and it's that, you know, taking that principle again and saying well. You know, at an individual level you know on it might be a really nice lovely clear day and everything's fine but you know if suddenly something happens would I be comfortable to deal with certain things that might happen having perhaps not flown for a few months and you know taking and and then thinking well okay if I might have some gaps where might those gaps be how can I practice you know are there I mean ironically in fact one of our you um, uh, kind of senior uh, managers in IASA who's you know a longtime former test pilot, former European aerobatics pilot and you know flown for more than 40 years, has said, you know, it's been interesting how you know he found during COVID going to something like Microsoft Flight Simulator or <laughs> other X plane or whatever mm. and, and kind of running through some common things in a kind of virtual world in a virtual aircraft before stepping in a cockpit again. And, you know, again, sitting down and thinking, well, if there are some things that I might need to practice again, stepping back and thinking, well, I could practice this and I could practice that. And actually one of the things we're thinking about, we're trying to put together, we haven't got a chance for this year yet, but actually hopefully for next year is almost us having on, you know, a little area, perhaps with some, some practices you could do some scenarios on Microsoft flight simulator or on X plane Mm. that pilots could go to and say, you know, here are some, you know, from the EASA slash GA community that we've put together some scenarios that pilots could do before they get in the cockpit again at the start of the season, Mm. for Mm. example. And yeah, I think that's really important. They're, They're really important things, just getting back in and thinking about where the gaps might be in their knowledge well what seems to be
1: the case if if people are flying in a club environment there's very likely there'll be sort of suggestions and regulations mm-hmm. about currency it's for the pilot to maybe has their own aircraft and isn't necessarily within a system like that that i suppose you're you're looking to to get to as well
2: and that's one of the biggest challenges i think is how to reach you know pilots who aren't part of that bigger kind of network uh, and you know i can just go in and jump in the aircraft and get flying and i think yeah you know, certainly that's quite often, well, not quite often, but I, I guess in, in a number of accidents, when we read the uh, the, the full accident report, you know, sometimes it, you know, it seems to be there are, you know, it's pilots like that who, who go flying, don't interact with others so much, who find themselves in some of the more difficult situations. And of course, don't forget, uh, from the 14th to the 25th of March, we're going to be running the uh, Europe-wide general aviation season opener. We've got Online events uh, happening throughout the course of both weeks, uh, starting on Monday lunchtime and then with sessions every evening covering you know, getting your aircraft ready. And we've got experts from pretty much all the major manufacturers talking about kind of some of the important kind of safety topics on different aircraft. We're going to be talking about decision making. Um, we're going to be talking about uh, uh looking back at, at accidents over the past 12 months and what can people learn. So yeah, if you, uh, if you go to uh, the EASA event pages and look at GA season opener, uh, that period, 14th to the 25th of March, you can actually register for the first session. And then after that, all of the others will be on our Together for Safety YouTube channel. So you can, either go, you can go to the EASA website. On the domains, we have general aviation and lots of resources there. And we also have the ARSA General Aviation Community, uh, where there's lots of different resources. We also have now the Aviators Club Facebook page, where we post all of the latest things. And then also a Facebook group called General Aviation Europe, where you know, we're encouraging more and more discussion. And you know we'll post all of our things in there. And hopefully that makes life as things as easy and accessible for as many people as possible in lots of different ways.
1: And you'll find details of that on flyinginireland.com and we'll also put in details on the programme notes uh, for this particular episode. John Franklin, AS's Head of Safety Promotion, thank you for joining us on Squawk 7000. Fantastic. Thanks for the invitation. It's great
2: to be here. To get the news first, subscribe now to Squawk 7000 on your favourite podcast platform.